You are listening to Black Cloud Society. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of your favorite podcast, Black Cloud Society. It is good to be back with you behind the mic to talk about something that uh, really is near and dear to my heart this week. You know, I've had some recent conversations over the last week with some, some peers and some organizational leaders where some potentially future opportunities have presented themselves. But regardless of those conversations, some of the questions that were asked of me, or I should say of the questions that were asked of me, there was one common denominator between peer conversations and leadership conversations that essentially led down the same road. And that was what I felt the attributes of a model employee were. So this week, we're going to discuss six attributes to that I feel, I should say, six attributes that I feel make you not only a good employee, but a good leader. And for me, when I'm talking to people, whether that be I'm considering you for promotion or whether I'm considering you for a position in my organization in general, I'm going to ask you about these six attributes. And you must possess these six attributes for me to consider you as either my employee or for me to consider you for promotion within my organization. But before we do that, I do want to get into one little tidbit of business and let you guys know that this will be the season finale episode. This will be the last episode for the year because, quite frankly, I got a lot of things going on and I need to take a little break, step back and reevaluate some things because I have huge, huge plans for 2023. Big things are coming, things that you're not going to want to miss, things that you may even want to be involved in personally. I've got some good guests already lined up for 2023. I've got some big stuff coming up for the website. And I've got some other things coming down the pipeline, things such as educational content and in-person workshops that you'll be able to purchase tickets to and attend should you so choose. But the main reason I'm taking a step back for a little while is because, as you guys know, I'm actively involved in my master's program and I'm rapidly approaching the last session. And those of you that are lifelong academics like myself understand that the capstone project is a large contingent on completion of the program. So I have my capstone project coming up and uh, my expected graduation date, given the way the sessions fall and revolving admission and all that good stuff, it looks like I'm going to be done 
the end of January, early February, depending on how it how it falls. So, that being said, I appreciate your faithfulness to listen to the show. Downloads are honestly at an all time high, and I struggled with with not putting out any content for the next couple months because downloads are finally back up to where they should be. They were pretty low for a little while there, and that is 100% because I wasn't producing consistent content, which I need to be doing. However, even though downloads are at an all-time high, and I've had some amazing, amazing guests over the past year that have helped boost those numbers, I do need to take a step back and concentrate on finishing up this degree program. Once that's said and done and out of the way, the plans I have for the show for 2023 are, like I said, going to be something you don't want to miss. So again, this is the season finale episode of the 2022 season, which I believe is season four. Four seasons already since the inception of this this labor of love of mine, this passion that I have to sit here and ramble on for you guys. And I really, really appreciate your faithfulness to the show. I really appreciate the support. Those of you that have reached out, those of you that have emailed, those of you that have texted, you're not forgotten. And you won't be forgotten over the next couple months, but I really, really, really got to step back and get this done. And also push through and develop the the changes that are coming out for 23 that you are going to love. So before we get into this week's content, I just want to take the time to wish you and yours the happiest of holidays, whatever holidays those are that you support and celebrate. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, fill in the blanks for whatever your culture celebrates. I wish you the best for 2023 and really, really thank you so, so much for sticking with me for as long as you have. Whether you're new listeners that you look forward to the new content or whether you're the OG listeners back in 2019. Really, really appreciate what you've done and that you continue to hang in there. And continue to show up at all the events that I happen to be at. It really means the world to me. But without further ado, let's get into this week's content. Six keys to a successful career. Now, six keys to a successful career. I guess we should probably start off by defining what a successful career is. But what is it to you? We have the ability to define our own version 
our own perception, our own expectation of what success is. Now, granted, I have trouble meeting up to my own expectations of success because my personal definition of success for me changes on a month-to-month basis. However, generally speaking, the definition of a successful career is whatever you deem it to be, whatever that end goal for you is, whether you know, initially that is to land that dream job or to seek promotion or to win some type of industry award, whatever it is, whatever that means to you. But regardless, these underlying six principles we're going to talk about today must be present in order for you to reach those most efficiently. Now, yeah, you can reach certain levels of quote unquote success without being or obtaining the attributes that we're going to discuss today. However, the question was asked of me, not in general, the question was asked of me what I believe the attributes of a model employee are. So I kind of took it a little bit deeper in in trying to develop content really in self-reflection, looked at what my opinion of these attributes are and how they can overlap into not just being a model employee, but in other aspects of our life as well. But regardless of that, attribute number one, in my opinion, is to simply be likable be relatable and, and, and empathetic uh, and don't break rule number one. Rule number one, don't be a douche. You know, if you're simply present yourself as being a likable and relatable person, it makes it a lot easier for other people to work for you or work with you. Now, I'm not talking about walking around being fake and pretending to be happy all the time. Obviously, life throws curveballs at us and we're expected to react and and process those things appropriately. However, in general, if you present yourself as a likable and relatable, empathetic person, your overall work environment, the way your peers look at you, the way your leaders look at you, will generally be in a more positive light and generally provide you with a more wholesome and enjoyable work experience. The second one, super important to me, be a self-driven learner. Hold the drive to continually make yourself better, whether that be in knowledge, whether that be in skills, performance, whether that be in emotional intelligence type stuff, regardless of what the situation is, have the drive, have the self-respect to do what needs to be done to teach yourself. Now, yes, our organization should be providing us with adequate training. However, you should not, as the employee, be relying as your only source of further education to come from your employer, to come from the organization that you're involved with. If you're relying, let's put it this way, if the only source of extra education, extra self-improvement in your life comes from your employer, then there's a problem. Now, yes, 
our employers, we as leaders should be providing our staff, our employees with the means of self-improvement. However, if the staff, the employees, if we as staff and employees don't possess the underlying drive to be self-learners, to be self-driven, then regardless of who provides it, the learning, the development, the improvement is never going to take place. And with that actually comes my third point, because we need to be coachable. You need to be able to receive instruction. You need to be able to receive even correction with a good attitude. You know, some of that also goes into the way the criticism, the way the instruction, the way the coaching is given, and whether that can be done in a constructive manner. I see a lot of this with organizations, QA, QI process. A lot of the people who sit on these committees or whatever it is that that are responsible for providing comments are keyboard warriors. They're unable to meet face-to-face and have a conversation with the individual who may not necessarily be performing to certain metrics. And they'll type out this big, you know, two, three paragraph email just blowing up what was wrong with the situation without actually providing any instruction, without actually providing any expectation, without actually providing a plan for improvement. But it's all done through emails. Now, yes, there should be a record. There should be some kind of paper trail of where the discrepancies were and what the plan is for improvement. However, any of the coaching, any of the criticism, any of the interaction regarding the leadership team and the individual who, you know, may have made the mistake should be done face to face. It should never be done through email. And a lot of times our employees are not receptive to feedback or have poor attitudes about feedback and coaching because of the way we as leaders are framing that coaching, framing that interaction. So the leadership team should have enough emotional intelligence to be able to frame the conversation in a constructive, coaching, supportive manner. But at the same time, the individual receiving said criticism should also be able to have enough self-awareness to adjust their attitude on the way that that information, that criticism, that coaching is being received. And quite frankly, sometimes the attitude at which certain coaching, certain criticism is received has a lot to do with actually my fourth point of being adaptable, being able to handle change in a positive way. And I know sometimes in the EMS industry, just mentioning change is enough to make many of our eyes twitch because... Generally speaking, the industry is so against change that anyone who tries to implement the slightest little change that goes against the way it's always been done meets a lot of a lot of resistance. But in order to be truly an effective and impactful employee and even leader, really, you must possess the attribute of being adaptable, being willing to accept the change 
being willing to try to implement said change, but handling it in a positive way. Not only do I expect you to be able to adapt, I mean, think about it. Most of us are in the public safety industries and healthcare, and we're generally speaking, have highly adaptable personalities anyway, because our environments are constantly changing. Very rarely are we in the same environment twice, the same mirror image of the previous environment twice. That doesn't really exist in our lines of work. It's always something slightly different, sometimes insanely different. But we need to possess the ability to adapt to whatever the situation, the scene, the patient, the environment throws at us. So we need to possess the same attributes of being able to adapt to what's being thrown at us in the situation, the, the scene, whatever it is, but at the same time, adapt to the internal environment within the organization in a positive way, as long as the change being made is positive in the best interest of not just the organization, but the community that the organization serves. I do not expect you to handle change in a positive way if the organization is not headed in a positive direction. That's something entirely different, which I think, I hope, we have a mutual understanding of. Which, which really brings me to yet my next point, point number five, and that is of reliability. Be reliable. Be reliable to your peers. Be reliable to your leadership. You know, they need to be able to count on you to deliver. Deliver whatever that metric is. Whatever responsibility has been delegated to you, I should be able to unquestionably rely on you to get it done. Now, some of this has to do with with the micromanaging aspect that a lot of management teams are are subject to or subject the employees to. Uh, I've come to realize that a lot of management styles that that deal with micromanaging only micromanage or have to micromanage because the staff they are delegating to are not reliable. If you prove yourself as a reliable person, as a person who can meet the metrics that the task that you have said you can meet effectively, appropriately, and on time, then I, as a member of the leadership team, should not have to go back and double check your work and micromanage and tell you how to do things and all that stuff. Now, there is another underlying issue where where management just has to be in control. Even though they, they delegate the task to you, they want it done, you know, a certain way, their way, never mind a certain way. But um, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter which way we get to the destination as long as we both arrive at the same destination. If my vision for the organization meets your vision for the organization and I delegate a task to you that can help project the the organization in that direction, then why does it matter which way we get 
to that destination as long as we both arrive at the same destination within the same time frame. But regardless, you as the employee, you as the staff member, have to present an underlying, or I should say possess an underlying ability to be reliable. I need to be able to rely on you as my person to get the job done. But at the same time, myself as a leadership position in the organization need to make sure that I go above and beyond to provide you with the tools necessary to do the job that I entrust you to do. You know, I used to say all the time when when I was command staff at a prior organization that it's not my job to make sure you do your job. It's my job to give you the tools required for you to do your job. There's an underlying delineation there that a lot of times people look over and when they get in these management positions, oh, I have to make sure I, I get to tell people how to do their job. No, your job is not to tell them how to do their job. Your job is to provide them with the ability to do their job in a reliable fashion. Anyway, that was a unnecessary rant, but that's the large majority of what my episodes are. But uh, yeah, so above being adaptable and being reliable, the biggest one for me, if you do not possess this one, I will not even look at you, number one, as, as, as hiring you, but number two, as certainly not as promotionary material, and that is simply being honorable. Be, be trustworthy. Above and beyond being reliable, you know, be a trustworthy person. Act with, with personal integrity. And furthermore, treat others, treat your peers with dignity. So much backstabbing, behind the back talking, and such goes on in the industry you know, amongst peers, they they talk face to face like they're best friends. But as soon as one leaves the room, they turn to the other one and talk absolute trash about the person that just left the room, as though it's the cool and acceptable thing to do. Show some dignity, show some integrity, show some respect to yourself, but also to to your peers. Now, granted, I also believe that respect is something that needs to be maintained. I can respect a position, but at the same time, not respect a person. If on the level of principle, two individuals don't align, I don't expect you to respect them as a person, but I do expect you to still treat them at least with dignity as a person, just because you have differing opinions, differing views, differing lifestyles, doesn't necessarily mean I have to like you as a person, doesn't mean I have to respect where you're coming from as a person, but I do still have to treat you with dignity, treat you professionally. I'm not saying you have to go out after work and hang out together. But if you are end up on if you end up on the same truck together, I do expect you to put aside your personal nonsense and be able to get along for the day and at least have enough dignity for each other. 
to get the job done and provide top-notch patient care. And then at the end of the day, end of the shift, I don't, I don't care what you do. I don't care whether you dislike the person. I don't care whether you go home and absolutely talk about how horrible your day was and how horrible this person is. Don't care because it's not impacting. It's not spreading toxic environment. It's not spreading throughout the workplace and influencing everyone else's opinion about the same person. You not being honorable, you not being trustworthy, and you not possessing enough personal integrity to be able to conduct yourself in a professional manner, in a dignified manner, can corrupt an entire organization. You know, we talk so much about the underlying culture of the organization being toxic and this and that. And you know, while yes, that is a problem and can present itself, how many times are we, the toxic individual, corrupting the rest of the organization? Something to think about as well. I understand that a lot of times we have a tendency to become our environment, but at the same time, if we are the toxic individual who starts infecting another peer, who then starts affecting another peer, who then starts affecting another peer, guess what we're doing? We are building that toxic culture simply because we don't know how to act with integrity and dignity. Now you'll notice, if you've been paying attention, one thing I did not mention and that is overall performance. To be honest with you, I could care less if you are a top performer. I can teach skill. I can teach performance. I can coach you to a particular performance level. However, you can't teach integrity. I can't teach you how to be trustworthy. You have to possess integrity, dignity, and trust on a personal level before you get to me. Integrity, I don't believe to be a teachable skill. I believe it's one that you have to develop through our previous mention point of being self-aware and self-driven. Some people are far more trustworthy than others, but as I mentioned before, I can teach performance. I can coach performance. I cannot coach trust. And actually, in... My current master's program, we were given a discussion topic of hiring employees and which attribute we thought was more important, a top performer or someone who was more trustworthy. And in that discussion, we were assigned a video to watch from Simon Sinek, and he is... Pretty well known for his works in leadership and team dynamics and cultural issues in business. And the video we were tasked with watching and discussing is entitled simply Performance versus Trust. And I'm going to play for you the highlights of or a highlight, which is really uh, about a two-minute long clip or so of a graph, per se. And I will post the link in the show notes, and we'll try to actually 
embed the video into the socials so you can check it out if you feel so inclined. But uh, he's making an L-shaped graph with performance on the Y-axis and trust on the X-axis and is basically going to discuss on the linear line between the two as to when and where performance beats trust and trust beats performance type type situation. So I'm going to play this for you and then we're going to kind of talk about and I could not could not agree more with what he has to say. I work with the Navy I've worked with the Navy SEALs and I asked them like who do you how do you pick like the guys that go on SEAL Team 6? Right? Because they're the best of the best of the best of the best. And they drew a, they drew a graph for me and on one side, they, drew, they wrote the word performance, and on the other side, they, were, they wrote the word trust. The way they define the terms is performance on the battlefield and performance off the battlefield. So this is your skills. This is, did you make your quarterly earnings, whatever, however you want to translate it, right? Performance, it's traditional. This is, how are you off the battlefield? What kind of person are you? The way they put it is, I may trust you with my life, but do I trust you with my money and my wife? This is what they told me. Nobody wants this person, the low performer of low trust, of course. Of course, everybody wants this person, the high performer of high trust, of course. What they learned is that this person, the high performer of low trust, is a toxic leader and a toxic team member. And they would rather have a medium performer of high trust, sometimes even a low performer of high trust, it's a relative scale, over this person. This is the highest performing organization on the planet, and this person is more important than, than this person. And the problem in business is we have lopsided metrics. We have a million and one metrics to measure someone's performance and negligible to no metrics to measure someone's trustworthiness. And so what we end up doing is promoting or bonusing toxicity in our businesses, which is bad for the long game because it eventually destroys the whole organization. The irony is it's unbelievably easy to find these people. Go to any team and say, who's the asshole, and they'll... <laughs> they will all point to the same person. <laughs> Equally, if you go to any team and say, who do you trust more than anybody else? Who's always got your back? And when the chips are down, they will be there with you. They will also all point to the same person. It's the best gifted natural leader who's, getting, who's creating an environment for everybody else to succeed, and they may not be your most individual highest performer. But that person, you better keep them on your team. So as he said, the most desirable person at the most elite of the elite special forces of the U.S. military look to hire, look to promote, look to select on their team. Is a moderate performer at most middle-of-the-road performer, however, high in trust, high in integrity. As I said before, I can teach performance. I can teach skill. I can teach you to meet certain metrics. But if I can't rely on you to be a person of integrity, to be a person of dignity, to be a person of trust, then you have no place in my organization. And quite frankly, you have no place in the industry.
far too often, the individual is getting promoted. The individual is getting hired in the first place. These organizations are being hired strictly because they meet certain performance indicators and has nothing to do with their integrity, with their trustworthiness. All these things we talked about are important, being reliable, being likable, uh, adaptable, honorable. Those are all super, super important, but none of them are as important as conducting yourself with dignity, with integrity, and with trust. The basic example of this I can say quite often in the EMS world, we have a tendency of gauging someone's effectiveness as a provider as to whether or not we'd be comfortable with them handling an illness as to one of our, with one of our family members. Would I be comfortable with this person taking care of my kid? Okay, yeah, cool. Granted, I want a top-notch performer when it comes to the well-being of one of my children or well-being of one of my family members. We all want a top-notch performer when it strikes close to home like that on a personal level. But at the same time, if you are not conducting yourself with integrity or with dignity, if you're not presenting yourself as a trustworthy person, most likely, I don't want you in my house anyway, near one of my family members. Now, granted, I don't want someone who has no idea what they're doing taking care of one of my family members. You could be the nicest person in the world, have all sorts of integrity, dignity, be super, super trustworthy and reliable, but have absolutely no clue what you're doing. Yeah, obviously, I don't want you taking care of one of my family members. But that's where, like the graph showed, the most desirable type of employee, most desirable type of candidate. For the elite of the elite special forces unit of the military is moderate performer, high trust. Performance can be taught. Performance can be developed. My ability to trust you my ability to rely on you, your ability to present yourself with integrity and dignity is far more important than your ability to perform. So get out there and work on being likable. Be self-driven. Make sure you're coachable. Be adaptable. Be reliable. But more importantly, be trustworthy. Until next time, guys. Watch out for yourselves. Watch out for each other. Keep those boots polished and that head held high. We'll see you next time. This episode was brought to you by Blackout Coffee. Visit them at www.blackoutcoffee.com and enter coupon code BLACKCLOUD at checkout and receive a 10% discount on multiple blends and flavors to fuel your coffee, cocoa, and loose leaf tea needs.
The views and opinions expressed in this production are in no way a substitution for your agency's policies, procedures or guidelines. The content and ideas are that of Black Cloud Society, and in no way reflect the views and opinions of the employers of those involved with this production. We thank you for tuning in.